Welcome to the Arthroscopy Association's Arthroscopy Journal podcast. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association or the Arthroscopy Journal. Welcome, everyone. I'm Dr. Andrew Sheehan from the San Antonio Military Medical Center. Today, I have the great pleasure of talking to Dr. Brett Owens from Brown University. Dr. Owens' paper entitled, The Six O'Clock Anchor Increases Labral Repair Strength in a Biomechanical Shoulder Instability Model was just published in the October edition of the Arthroscopy Journal. Dr. Owens, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for joining me. Andy, thanks so much for having me on. It's a really, I'm, I'm a huge fan of this podcast, and I uh, appreciate the opportunity to be here. So not everyone can pull off biomechanical studies like this. I have to imagine it takes a lot in terms of logistical support, lab space, resources, and expertise from a lot of different people. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about the team that you've been able to establish there at Brown and how you all were able to execute this study? Well, well, thanks. I mean, I think that the, you know, it definitely takes a team and I, and I'm glad you, you kind of emphasize that point. Um, it's fun to obviously come up with the questions to, to answer, but it takes a team to be able to execute. And yeah, we are fortunate. You know, we do have uh, in this paper, particularly uh, Trey Crisco, who's a world-renowned uh, upper extremity biomechanist uh, who has helped with our setup. Uh, we had an engineer, Rohit Badita, uh, who did a great job. And then, you know, a series of two fellows, Joe Gills and Steve DeFroda, and then a resident, Steve uh, Bakshin, who's the first author on this. And they did the heavy lifting and really did a fantastic job. You know, having an infrastructure of, of having some musculoskeletal uh, or um, a mechanical testing device is is, is huge. You know, we're, we're fortunate to have a, a KUKA robot, um, which has been obtained with previous uh, grants, um, and we've been able to utilize that robot uh, in an established uh, shoulder model that we've been working on the past few years. Um, it definitely takes a team, and it, it takes uh, a lot of trial and error to kind of get your model up and running. But then when you get it, you're able to. The fun part begins. You're able to generate questions and and see how to test it. Yeah, and so I'm glad you mentioned the the issue about generating questions. So what was the specific impetus behind the study? What was the the gap in the current knowledge that, that you guys sought out to address? Yeah, so, the, you know, we saw this as a pretty straightforward question, uh, given the, the interest really in the low or the six o'clock you know, type anchor. As you know, this has been pushed a lot by surgeons that utilize the lateral decubitus position. The ability to get to the six o'clock position, which is really only able to be performed uh, through uh, an accessory, you know, posterior lateral portal, because uh, you really can't really get there from the front unless you will, will do a trans subscap uh, uh, cannula. Um, you know, the ability to place this anchor. A lot of people believe that it can help provide uh, significant. Uh, strength, especially in the inferior direction, and um, since it's certainly something that's debated a lot, we thought it was an easy question to answer uh, in the lab. I'm a beach chair surgeon, and uh, so certainly this is something that is debated a fair amount amongst my colleagues that that really push the lateral decubitus position. So, and I'm also glad that you mentioned that because that's a as my next question is. Um, are you able routinely to, to get this anchor in the spot you need that six o'clock anchor with the beach chair? And if so, give us some, give us some technical pearls for doing that. 
Yeah, I, I, you know, it certainly is fun uh, to engage in the debate about the position. I think um, I prefer the beach chair uh, position currently. You know, when I was a resident, we did almost everything lateral decubitus. And then uh, during fellowship, I worked in the beach chair and I've kind of stuck with the beach chair. I feel comfortable doing everything in the beach chair position. Um, there are certainly advantages and disadvantages to both positions. There are some uh, procedures that are a little bit easier sometimes in the beach chair position. Uh, certainly, I've done cases in the lateral decubitus position, and there are some things that technically are a little bit easier in the lateral decubitus position. I think you can get most places with each position. I I, I don't like the debate a little bit that where some people say, well, this is lateral decubitus is modern technique. I, I kind of I, I kind of bristle at that a little bit since I don't think my technique <laughs> is not modern. But but I, I think what I try to tell my residents and my fellows uh, is that you can do a good or a, or a poor uh, labor repair in either position. And so you want to choose what you can to optimize uh, the position that you're in. There are some tricks. I think really to get to the six o'clock position, if you feel like that's important, I think using an accessory uh, posterior lateral, the so-called five o'clock or seven o'clock uh, 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 portal is really critical to get to that position. Otherwise, to get there from the front, you you probably need to come through the subscap if you want to get directly to six o'clock. Uh, I rarely do that. I think for me, it's really important to create a very low antero-inferior uh, portal and place a cannula in that position. When I when I place this, I usually have it so that the underspinal needle localization, I have it so that the uh, spinal needle is, is starting from an inferior position and kind of cresting just over the subscap. Uh, some people have it coming in from above, already aiming downwards. I tend to aim up with it so that with my cannula, when I wish to, I can inferiorly uh, translate the subscapularis and get very low. So on on the right side, that would get me at least to the uh, so-called you know, uh, 530 position or on the left in the, in the 630 position. To get to the straight inferior position at 6 o'clock, so to say, I think you probably need to come in uh, from, from the side or from the posterior direction. A few studies have shown that while you might be able to get there from the front, you have a high risk of skiving out through the cortex um, when placed from that position. Well, specifically with regards to your paper, why don't you give sure. the listeners the, the one or two uh, most important points that you want people to take with them after reading your paper? Yeah, so this was a biomechanical uh, test using a robotic uh, model. Uh, the, the one the one real uh, disclosure that we have here is that we, these were placed in an open position. You know, we we, we did not perform these arthroscopically uh, to correlate exactly the way it would be done you know, during arthroscopic stabilization. But for us, just the ability to reproducibly place it, these were placed um, in, in an open uh, position. But we we basically created a, a Bancart lesion, and then we placed a traditional three four and five o'clock anchors, and then we're able to test it uh, intact after the creation of the lesion, and then with the three and four and five o'clock, the so-called standard bank art repair, and then we added a six o'clock uh, anchor, and then we created a 13%, the so-called subcritical uh, amount of anterior-inferior bone loss, and then we uh, repeated the testing with the traditional, and then the addition of the six o'clock 
anchor. One of the questions that we had was, you know, what is the addition of that six o'clock anchor? And, you know, of course, it makes sense that an additional fixation point would add uh, significant strength. When you look at the outcomes, it, it, there are a couple of conclusions that you can, can come to. And certainly the people that believe in the use of the six o'clock anchor will take away that the six o'clock anchor addition is stronger. And we did find that. We found that there was uh, a significant uh, uh, increased resistance to translation with the addition of the six o'clock anchor. But a critical review of of our of our results also shows that the traditional repair does restore uh, the stability seen with the intact labrum. So again, there was a statistically significant difference, and if, if that's the takeaway you want to take to support the use of the six o'clock anchor, certainly an additional fixation point, not to be surprising, uh, is did show a significant improvement. However, uh, you could also look at the data and say, well, with the no bone loss model, the uh, the additional six o'clock anchor may not be necessary because the stability was restored with the traditional repair. With the bone loss condition, we found that there was a you know a difference uh, with both of these, not statistically significant between those uh, of the additional six o'clock, but they both were able to restore uh, stability, which was certainly uh, uh, interesting. We did want to test the the so-called subcritical bone loss condition because that is one that is commonly seen, and and it's one that we. Uh, uh, Certainly, as we evolve our techniques, that's a question we often have about our ability to perform an arthroscopic stabilization in that situation, or do we need to move to uh, a, a bony type procedure? So remind me, in your methods section, were you guys using a uh, simple or mattress stitch configuration when you were doing your bank art repair? Yeah, great question. So we utilize uh, a mattress stitch. You know, we've we really worked hard on on making sure that we were able to uh, reproducibly perform a similar repair from from specimen to specimen. So we captured you know 15 millimeters of, of tissue from the labral border, you know, with a small you know, capsular shift, um, and and then a single loaded uh, anchors, but then uh, with a mattress fashion uh, uh, shuttle, and tried to be reproducible with each. And did the results of your of the study change the way that you do anything, or have compelled you to to think about the way in which you approach arthroscopic bank art repair differently? That's a great question. That's certainly one that that we've gotten. Um, uh, I don't know that it does. I I think it. Many surgeons have and scientists have reported over the years the importance of getting low, and also certainly there's data that at least you know three anchors has been shown to be superior. Clearly, with the advent of double loaded anchors, uh, some people are using fewer anchors, but I think it's important to to have multiple fixation points on the glenoid, and I think it's important to be very low. You know, obviously we're not testing some of the other important aspects of a quality arthroscopic stabilization procedure, such as adequate mobilization, incorporating adequate uh, capsular shift, um, sometimes uh, adding uh, other augmentation procedures such as 
uh, remblissage, etc. So there's many aspects that go into it. Uh, we tried to, for uh, scientific clarity, we tried to really boil it down to just the addition of, of that anchor. Uh, certainly, I, I will incorporate a six o'clock anchor, and I think it's important to have that. You can do that from the lateral, uh, from the beach chair as well as the lateral decubitus position. I agree with my colleagues in the lateral decubitus position that you get more distraction, and it can be significantly easier to to get there uh, from uh, in the lateral decubitus position. I think this also is a time zero test, so we're testing it um, at, at time zero. You know, uh, clearly with a, with a quality repair, uh, oftentimes you're getting healing at the six o'clock position, uh, even potentially despite the absence of uh, anchor fixation at that position. So, you know, uh, clearly we haven't answered the question. You know, clinically we would need to have uh, you know prospective uh, research studies to be able to ensure that you know clinically it makes a significant difference. And I'm glad you brought up. REM pulsage. Um, I just got done recording another one of these with, with Dr. Julie Bishop and how she's using what has been published and what continues to come out in the literature uh, to, to decide when and when not to do that. What are, what are your current indications for doing the REM pulsage procedure? Yeah, I have incorporated remplissage a lot into my ap approach to shoulder instability over the past uh, five years. Um, I, I, most of the data that's coming out is, is fairly compelling. I think it's a great adjunctive procedure to an arthroscopic uh, surgery in patients that we used to really be worried about the risk of, of recurrence following arthroscopic repair alone. Again, extremely large hill sacs lesions and those that that are uh, engaging during uh, the normal physiologic range of motion are very concerning. And oftentimes in that situation, especially in the presence of any uh, significant glenoid bone loss, I have a low threshold for, to perform a bony augmentation procedure, whether that's a, a distal tibia allograft, which I also employ in addition to the traditional Latterjay coracoid transfer, which I think is a great procedure, especially for large engaging hill sacs lesions. I think smaller lesions and patients that uh, might be lower risk and, and have no evidence of, of glenoid bone loss uh, are ones that I do incorporate the use of remplissage. I think it can definitely add to uh, the stability of the repair, it's been shown biomechanically, it's been shown as well uh, clinically to have excellent outcomes. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. So yeah, you've sure. got a 17-year-old football player in yep. his junior year, end of the season. He's got 14% anterior inferior glenoid bone loss and a on-track or non-engaging hill sex lesion. Sure. What are you doing for that guy in 2019 or 2020? Let's say. Yeah, it's a great question, and these these are these are ones that we that we wrestle with all the time. I think it has to be uh, a discussion with the family on the risk and benefits uh, of each. I, I I tend to uh, I tend to push probably for a bony procedure, you know, in that patient. 14% with a hill sacs. Uh, I'm pretty concerned about the recurrent instability in, in, in that patient population. And I think a latter J is a, is a well-indicated well procedure in that patient. Uh, 
Uh, you have to be able to weigh what, what, you know, 17, they're also on the cusp of changing their life significantly. Sometimes as a 17 year old kid going on to play, uh, college football, hockey, wrestling, et cetera, there would be significantly more aggressive or do they just end their senior season and are, are not going to be potentially as at risk, in which case maybe an arthroscopic stabilization, uh, with a remplissage, you know, may be enough. Uh, it, it's, there are so many elements that go into it, and the addition of hyperlaxity, uh, as well as uh, projected activities. So, you know, that's a tough one. I, I really think that that um, uh, Tokish and others that have really brought to our attention the concept of the subcritical bone loss have really shown uh, the impact of of bone loss at, at the at the lower ranges. You know, we use thirteen percent as they have published, but you know, you mentioned I think it's fourteen, fifteen percent. That's concerning. I think if you're measuring it with calipers and you're and you're finding that much bone loss, uh, irrespective, because we all seem to we can't necessarily agree on the measurement technique or which modality CT right. MRI. I think if yeah, as I try to teach my residents and fellows, if you're measuring it. Uh, you probably at least want to consider a uh, uh, a bony procedure. The other thing I, I would bring up too is an open bank art, which is a great procedure for that patient, and then that's really the patients that I that I will, will lean on an open bank art. Maybe they don't they don't need as much bone that due to only you know ten to fifteen percent bone loss. Um, and it seems like that's the debate sometimes that we go from well, what can we do arthroscopically to what needs a ladder J. And I think that's the perfect patient to offer an open bank art repair, uh, which is unfortunately in some areas has become somewhat of a historic procedure. And I do a fair number of right. open bank arts. And every time I turn around, there's three or four residents in the room. They're like, oh, we, we want to see this open bank art procedure because they haven't seen one before. And uh, I think it's almost become a, a, a lost art that we no longer see in training programs. I know for a few years I had fellows that had never seen an open bank art before. And uh, I think a well-done open bank art repair is a great procedure for that patient. Uh, one more question. I'm, I'm glad also that you mentioned open bank art. How do you manage the capsule on the way out? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple ways to do it. I mean, certainly you can have a medial-based uh, a medial-based T, or you can have a so-called lateral-based T. I've become a fan recently. And Bob Arciero has, you know, he he. He has taught us a you know, lateral-based uh, uh, procedure. Sometimes even incorporating, you know, anchors out out, out laterally on the on the on the humeral head, really allowing a, a nice tight uh, lateral shift. And it certainly depends. Sometimes, uh, sometimes I'll, I'll do either, depending upon managing the capsule based upon the quality of the tissue, and sometimes the ability to get to get that split depending a little bit of if you if you're doing a subscap split or if you're too, taking the the top half of the subscap down sometimes as you know laterally taking down the top half of the subscap it can be hard to kind of separate the capsule uh, from the subscapularis well this has been fantastic dr owens I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and as a military guy um i was excited to set this up and i'm, I'm proud of of the tradition of military shoulder surgeons and you obviously have have gone a long way towards advancing the cause amongst a you know an esteemed group of guys. So thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Really, always a lot of fun to talk some shoulder instability with a military colleague. Great, thank you. All right, well that's going to do it uh, for this podcast. Dr. Owens' uh, paper entitled "The Six O'Clock Anchor Increases Labral Repair Strength in a Biomechanical Shoulder Instability Model." 
was just published uh, in the October edition of Arthroscopy Journal and can currently be accessed online at www.arthroscopyjournal.org. Thank you all for joining us and have a good evening.